Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Save big money now on new siding from LP Smart Side at Menards. Update and beautify your home with your choice of 13 timeless colors of pre-finished engineered siding. It's durable and includes a Sherwin-Williams factory finish paint warranty that means no painting for years to come. View our entire selection of siding from LP Smart Side today. And don't forget to check out our flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money at Wounded Warrior Project is working to foster the most successful generation of veterans in our nation's history. One of the ways they do that is through adaptive sports. Veterans are some of the most resilient people on the planet. It's not about what you can't do after experiencing injury or illness. It's about tapping into what you can do. Learn more about how Wounded Warrior Project's adaptive sports programs are changing lives at www.woundedwarriorproject.org sports. This show is brought to you by K Jewelers. Listen up, NFL fans. K just dropped a collection of officially licensed NFL jewelry. Shop your favorite team in the True Fans Fine Jewelry Collection at K.com slash truefans. Gear up for the season and celebrate the love of the game with K. Nerd Sports Podcast, where we talk history of the game, numbers, and stats. And each week we highlight a charity that's doing good. If you haven't subscribed yet, then you should. Because I'm this, 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 this the, the real deal. And you know I gotta shout out the Buffalo Bills. Turn it up to the max. Sit back and relax. This the Buffalo Nerd Sports Podcast. Let go! What is up, everybody? Welcome in to another episode of the Buffalo Nerd. Uh, for those of you that are going to be watching, uh, you can see there's two of us again, so you don't have to just listen to me again this week. I'm pretty pumped about this one, actually, because when you have a show, I think that's called like the Buffalo Nerd, and you can bring on somebody that writes for the Dynasty Nerds, <laughs> I, I think that's like an absolute that you have to do, right? So you guys can see I'm going to be joined by Marvin Eloquin tonight. Um, he not only does the stuff with the Dynasty Nerds, he also is a writer with Fantasy football got the fantasy footballers and he's also you know does some other things as well i'm not going to spit out everything that he does i'll let him tell you guys what he's all about himself but really super excited uh, we're going to get into some more fantasy stuff this week 
I recently have had an experience with fantasy where I realized I'm no good at it. Um, so I really wanted to bring on the guys that are good at it. So we're going to bring on Marvin. He's got a really cool charity that he wants to chat up and, uh, he puts out some really incredible stuff. So I think it's, we're going to have a lot of fun. It's going to be a good show. Marvin, welcome in. Thank you for being here. And uh, why don't you let everybody know a little bit about yourself? Yeah. Hey, thank you so much, Colt. I'm excited to be here to talk a little bit about the Buffalo Bills and, and just football in general, fantasy football. Um, love doing it. So thank you so much for having me. Yeah, you kind of already introduced me and, and, and that was about as perfect as it could be. I'm, I'm a writer for Dynasty Nerds, the fantasy footballers, do some video content for the Dynasty Nerds as well. So um, yeah, definitely specialize in, in, in fantasy football and in Dynasty specifically. So for those that, that play Dynasty football, year-long Dynasty football, um, that's why I love to do and that's my passion. So, um, yeah, I'm, you know, definitely uh, enjoy doing that. But just talking about football in general is, is just as fun. And talking about a good team like the Bills is, is just as enjoyable, even more enjoyable there. Well, I appreciate you saying that. It's a good start. Right? That definitely <laughs> that definitely puts you in where everybody's like, okay, I'm listening to this guy. There you go. Right? Yep. You know, but so you actually are a fan of a really good football team too, right? And we're going to get into that mm-hmm. a little bit too because I really want to hear your opinion about it. I mean, everybody's putting out their opinion right now. Mm-hmm. It's a hot mm-hmm. topic, um, you know, so we'll get into that a little bit. Um, but before we dive too much into that, uh, we'd like to chat up a charity every week, obviously, right? Um, that's That's what we're all about. And, you know, Marvin got to choose this week like we always do. So it's always the guest choice. So Marvin went with the Open Medicine Foundation this week. Um, you know, you guys can find them at omf.ngo, right? That's omf.ngo. Um, before I, I'm not really going to talk too much about them, you know, so Marvin, why don't you kind of, you know, let us know a little bit about them and, you know, kind of, uh, you know, why you chose them. Yeah, yeah, no, I really appreciate this and really cool that you you do this uh, for your podcast. But um, yeah, it's Open Open Medicine Foundation and the largest nonprofit organization that aims to diagnose, treat and prevent ME-CFS also known as chronic fatigue syndrome and, and other related illnesses. And, uh, you know, what that is, is MECFS is a complex multi-system disease with, with several sim- symptoms, right? And it's, uh, it varies from like cognitive impairment, body aches and worsening headaches, profound fatigue that doesn't get better with rest. And so you're constantly exhausted and it even makes the simplest things that you do every day very, very difficult. And, and just imagine being tired, um, randomly throughout the day and, and sometimes even all day. And, and it, and, Really, at, at this point, there is no cure and any treatments for this, uh, for MECFS or chronic fatigue syndrome is uh, rarely covered by standard insurance. So that's why I love Open Medicine Foundations because they support um, those that have it and are diagnosed with it and can really affect anyone at any age, any time. Affects currently 20 million people worldwide and uh, 70% of them can't work, 25% are homebound. So it can affect a person tremendously right and so the reason why i chose this is because it, it i've seen it affect my family specifically and my wife um her her mom so my mother-in-law and my brother-in-law have both been diagnosed with it, and i've seen it affect their lives um you know uh pretty heavily and tremendously and and so uh that's why i chose this it's very near and dear to my heart and and you know it's um it, currently, they, it's actually MECFS Awareness Month too in, in the month of May, so perfect timing. And so I appreciate you having me on. And you know, obviously, there's opportunities to donate, but just even reading up on it and, and increasing awareness and, and spreading that is 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 huge. So this, you know, you allowing me to talk about it is, is truly tremendous. So thank you, thank you so much. 
Yeah, I mean, this is all I, I did. It, you know, I like to do a little bit of research on everything, you know, before we start talking about it. So I know a little bit about what's going on, you know, because that's part of what this is, too, is I, you know, I'm, I don't know about this until I hear about it. You mm-hmm. know, and that's how I feel like it is for a lot of people out there is we mm-hmm. don't always get the opportunity to hear about everything. There's so much going on. Uh, I mean, we all have Instagram, we have Facebook, Twitter, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But there's so much in it that you still can't even catch everything that's going on. Mm-hmm. So stuff like this. And uh, I, you know, I went and looked at it and it is it's one of those the the foundation is one of those places where not only can you get you know connected with resources and all those kind of things just looking at it, they're working with some incredible hospitals you know stanford harvard i mean like they're working with some of the smartest minds out there you know in order to really try to help out with these things and i know that i've had personal experiences where i definitely take what i can do in a day-to-day just like popping up and doing what i do mm-hmm. you know i've you know some with cerebral palsy so i, I i've seen mm-hmm. that not everybody gets to just do that right mm-hmm. so it, it is a and and being just like a fatigue thing where you just you just physically can't go i can't you know i can't imagine having to like you know deal with that when you're so excited to go do something mm-hmm. or like, you know, and then it just hits you and it's over. Right. And, yeah. you know, so uh, that's what part of the show was about. You know, we learn about it. Um, you don't necessarily have to donate money, right. We're not all millionaires or have tons of money that mm-hmm. we can throw at these things, but you can talk about it. You mm-hmm. share it to somebody that, you know, um, you know, those, all those things can help. And I didn't know all, you know, that it was, their month right now for, you know, what's going on. So very cool. Donate, check it out, share it. You know, obviously we always put everything in the show notes. So you guys can connect over to them and that kind of stuff, but it's omf.ngo. That's, that's not a joke. I know that sounds like it rhymes or like something like that, but like it's, <laughs> and it's not a .com or .net or whatever, but it's omf.ngo, the open medicine foundation, you know, so go ahead over there and check them out. I uh, appreciate you bringing up the personal stuff too, Marvin. I, you know, that's, I, I mention it probably every week, you know, I think is that we all have something going on you know, exactly. that, that, you know, not everybody's dealing with the same stuff, but we all got something going on. So mm-hmm. it's very cool. And to kind of segue off of that a little bit, there's something going on with your favorite organization. And for the people <laughs> that are going to be watching this, you might've guessed who his favorite organization is by the Jersey that's behind him. But for those of you that aren't seeing this, Marvin's a green Bay Packers fan. So mm-hmm. I mentioned earlier, they're a good organization, right? So I also feel like I've chatted with Jimmy Christensen on the show already. He's a Packers guy. And it's nice to talk to, uh, you know, folks that are fans of an organization that's been successful and is in a small market, similar to the bills, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to so how are you feeling right now with Aaron Rodgers kind of just like dangling the franchise like wherever <laughs> he wants? Oh man, it is it's definitely nerve-wracking to to think about what this team could be without a good quarterback, right? You know, I mean it's a team sport, but having a good quarterback obviously helps your team significantly. So you know, right now I, I'm. It's it's hard to really keep track because there's news coming from left and right, different rumors here and there. Who who leaked what and who knows what. So it, it's hard to really know what's true and what's not. And I know he was on an interview yesterday talking about it and saying that it's about the you know the people of the team that make everything go. And and so yeah, I understand that and and it's it's definitely true. But I I'm still not sure where this is headed, and that's the the uncertainty of it, right? Um. I certainly, if you think about what he's what he's thinking about, like the security, they drafted a quarterback um, in the first round last year, drafted a running back in the second round when they had Aaron Jones. It's like there's some questionable decisions there, so it's definitely understandable where he's coming from. And and there, you know, the to, to put it 
simple. It's the Packers are kind of in a in a tough situation here. They can kind of you know admit to the mistake that they made, extend him, and then you kind of have two quarterbacks under contract for the next three to four years, which will be interesting. Um, what you do there because you you know you ideally like a like a Josh Allen, right? And we're going to, you know, we might talk about him here, but you had him on a, under a rookie contract. You could build around him. And that's the beauty of a rookie contract. Well, they won't have that with Jordan Love if they extend Aaron Rodgers. So it's, it's, it'll be interesting to, to see what they do here and if they do end up trading him. But yeah, you know, regardless of what you think of the situation, this team won't be the same without Aaron Rodgers on and off the field. And, and so, um, you know, selfishly, I'd love for him to stay. Um, but, um, I, I, I can definitely see that there's just, there's so much going on with that situation that it's hard to even keep track. Yeah. I, I kind of feel, I'm sorry that I'm going to say this actually, but <laughs> I think it's kind of fun to have to ask people how they're going to handle not having a quarterback after being a fan of a team that that's what we were searching for for so long, mm-hmm. because <laughs> as much as we like to call it a team sport, a hundred percent, if the guy behind center ain't the guy for your team, it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. So you need to find that guy and you guys have that guy and he is, he's playing a, well, I can play forever. I don't want to play forever, but I'll go play over here if they want me to play over there. And it's, it's just like, he's, you know, he's dangling it around and it, and it feels weird kind of a little bit because it's, is, is he trying to say that like the, the changes from like taking a little bit of the history away from it is changing what the Packers are. I mean, because I still feel like they're a winning team, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you, you were right there. You were, you were close to being a, in a Super Bowl again with this young guy who's come in there and making these changes. So it feels weird to me that that's kind of like the line that everybody's talking about right now that's being driven in the sand is it's like this old Green Bay versus new Green Bay. And it's like, well, there has to be a transition in every franchise, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it's got to happen, Aaron. You're going to you're gonna have to leave at some point. And I, as much as we love star players, I'm of the, the mentality that maybe you move sooner than later. Yes, it's going to hurt, right? But wouldn't you rather try to find the next guy sooner than wait longer? I don't know. So it's, it's dangerous. It feels mm-hmm. really weird that this is taking place, right? And uh, especially with the other quarterbacks, star quarterbacks having so much trouble this offseason, you know, Deshaun Watson's in heat, you know, <laughs> Russell Wilson wanted to be traded apparently this offseason as well, you know, so <laughs> it's it's very interesting. But, yeah, you guys are a c- completely different team if he doesn't play or if he doesn't, like, play like he w- like he wants to be there, right? I mean, at this point, yeah. would, you, would you almost feel like even if they keep him, he's still kind of going to be like, yeah, well. Yeah, I guess it depends on on – on what they do here next right if they if they extend him and they kind of show him the loyalty that that he wants then i think he'll be out there and he'll want to win because i think ultimately that's what he wants he wants to win a super bowl and so that that's kind of the the motivation for him but of course financial security all that stuff being the franchise guy gets that's all part of it and he deserves it because he's he's just that good right and and so um if they don't extend him and they're like well you can either play for us or um, and that's that, and we won't trade you, then, of course, I, I can. I wouldn't be surprised if he kind of sat out. I, I'm not sure if con- contractually if he can even do that, but, you know, it's uh, it, it's kind of, a, you know, like a game of chicken, like who's going to blink first here? Like what, what are we going to do now with, with Aaron Rodgers? Should we extend him? Should we not? It, it, there's just, I mean, they can go in so many different ways, and, and I, I think obviously the easiest way is to just extend him and deal with the Jordan Love contract later on 
Because you, mm-hmm. first of all, you never really know, like as much as we want Aaron Rodgers to be healthy up until he's like 45 playing at a high level, you never know what could happen. And so he's playing well now, keep him now. And and you have, a, uh, you know, an unknown at, at backup quarterback in, in, in Jordan Love, but you kind of deal with that as you go and, and just stick with what you have now. Because if, you, like you said, you were just a few plays away from making it to the Super Bowl. You were um, right there basically two years in a row. So just just keep at it. And they added some pieces this off season. So, um, we get try to keep this core and, and go for it again, because not, not many teams have the opportunity to do this, you know, two, three years in a row. Right. Absolutely. What if, um, just like crazy oddball thing, but the NFL does a lot of crazy oddball stuff right now. It's amazing how much the league has changed recently, but mm-hmm. what if Atlanta calls up and they say, Hey, we'll give you Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. You just have to give us Aaron Rodgers and, you know, like a first round pick. What are you going to do? Oh, man. You're putting me on the spot here. I um, I mean, honestly, it, it's face- real life. Not even fancy. Just real <laughs> not life. even fancy football. Yeah, just G- real life. Giving up that first round pick is, is I'm not sure I would. Uh, I'm We're not sure. Matt Ryan and Julio. I mean, Matt Ryan's got two, three years. Then you'd have that, Julio across from Adams. That's the thing. That's the thing. I would much rather trade for just Julio and then make Aaron Rodgers happy that way. <laughs> right. But, uh, there it is. But yeah, no, I, I do think, you know, if you if you did bring in Matt Ryan in, on this team with Julio Jones, I think they'd be just as good. Because, I you know, I don't think we talk about this, how about quarterbacks being important, but Matt Ryan isn't a terrible quarterback, and right. y- you know you you have the pieces around him. Plus Julio Jones, Devonte Adams, Aaron Jones. I Good mean, it, running back. Yeah, that is that that is a pretty dangerous team, and so you'd have to really think hard there. Now I don't know if Atlanta would do that, and if you know, of course they're trying to trade Julio Jones right now, but it's it's certainly an intriguing package that I I must say it's. Is it would really probably tempting. be cheaper for Atlanta too, right? I mean, because it would only take Aaron's huge contract and mm-hmm. Green Bay would have to take probably Julio's money and Matt Ryan's money as big money too, realistically. I mm-hmm. mean, so they're expensive package for sure. But mm-hmm. it's just, I mean, if you, I feel like if you're a GM and you're in that kind of turmoil that you, you just shoot a shot like that and see what <laughs> they say. Be like, hey, so you guys seem to have a disgruntled player. We have a disgruntled player. Let's just swap those and you throw in Matt Ryan too. Let's figure Thanks. it out, yeah. 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 Right. Right. So, all right. So now let's get into what you're really good at. Cause like I spoke a little bit at the beginning of this, I've recently found out that I'm terrible at fantasy football and it's mostly because I started playing with people that are like actually truly pay attention to it. Like, and really study the game and do that. And I've ne- I haven't, wasn't fully prepared for all that. So I got into some leagues and I was like, what's going on as the draft picks were taking place. <laughs> so I sent you over some questions, just like a little bit of a couple things, just doing some like startup stuff because I, I want to just kind of get a feel for what a pro actually thinks is the way that you approach like a startup again. Right. So we talked about the running backs. I kind of asked you like out of the rookie running backs, if I had a chance to just take one of those, who would you say would kind of be the guy? And you were like kind of down to the top two guys realistically. Right. Right. Yeah. So, you know, when we're looking at rookie running backs in this class specifically, I think it's, it's gotta be between Najee Harris and Travis Etienne. And, and the reason I, I bring it down to those two guys is because first round uh, running backs have the highest uh, hit rate. Or um, when I say hit rate, they, they average top 12 or top 24 numbers for fantasy. Um, 
and they have the highest likelihood of doing that if they're drafted in the first round. And, and understandably, you know, when you see guys drafted like Saquon early on, right, and and guys like um, that in that draft range in that first round, they they receive the opportunity because you invest so heavily in them, they're they're thrown out there, right? And so it's what's interesting about these two guys specifically is that they're kind of in polar opposite situations, or or so we think, right? Because Najee Harris with with Pittsburgh, there's no one there. There's no one there right. that that really has proven it, and he's the guy. He's going to have like 200, you know, 250 to 300 touches. I wouldn't be surprised at all if he's the best running back in this in this class. And, um, you know, obviously 1,500 total yards in two years um, each, right? Powerful and elusive three-down potential. So I, I'm I'm all in on, on Najee Harrison, what he could be. But, and, and this is something where it's a little, I guess, uh, just not controversial, but just not necessarily the the consensus is everyone has Najee as the RB one in this class. But for me, I think it's actually Travis Etienne, considering what we've seen from him in college and the, just the body of work and his total production profile and what he brought to uh, to that team and his college career. I mean, he was one of the most efficient running backs in college history. Averaged seven point seven five yards per touch on seven hundred touches in four seasons at Clemson, 6,000 total yards, 78 total touchdowns. And, you know, what he did with his efficiency and that um, number of touches, not many running backs have done that. He was more efficient than Saquon Barkley, Dalvin Cook, Christian McCaffrey on a per-touch basis. And, and that actually correlates well in the NFL. So when you're efficient in college and hyper-efficient, that usually means good things for um, for you in the NFL. And so... Everyone, you know, talks about how he had that amazing 2,000 scrimmage yard season 2019, and then he kind of regressed in 2020. But when you look at it, really, I mean, his junior year was amazing. 8.3 yards per touch, 2,000 scrimmage yards. I mean, it doesn't get better than that, right? Not many people do that. But then when you um, when you set the bar that high, of course he's going to drop off a little bit. And that's what he did in his senior year. But we still can't overlook that his receiving yards market share um, improved by four percentage points. So he was more involved in the passing game. Love to see that from a running back. He averaged 6.9 yards per touch, which is still better than Najee's final two years. So he was one of the better running backs, but he set the bar so high that when he regressed in his final year, that everyone just kind of forgets about what he's done the years before. So to me... I know his situation isn't ideal. He has James Robinson there, but I do think his potential and his production profile comps to some of the guys like Dalvin Cook and, and Christian McCaffrey and how good they were in college for, for so long. It, it, that's why I think Travis Etienne has maybe the highest ceiling and has the most efficient um, ceiling, in, in my opinion. And so that's where I like both these running backs, but... I've rambled on and on about Travis Etienne, but really I like both these running backs. I just think Travis Etienne just has that higher ceiling because of what he did in college. So uh, most of that you were all saying was all based off of the numbers and the background and everything like that. You can, do you consider it all uh, of who they're going to be playing against in this? Like, so, mm -hmm. you know, you've got Jacksonville is going to be playing Indy, Tennessee, you know, then you got Pittsburgh is going to be up against Cleveland, Baltimore, mm -hmm. Cincinnati is, does any of that play into it? And just for the record, I, I took over a team and I was able to get Travis as my guy, as my first round pick. I think I had like one seven. Oh yeah, he's he, been dropping. He was, yeah, yeah, he was my guy at one seven. I took him. He was sitting there. I was like, I, I don't think I can pass on him. Right. <laughs> so I'm glad. I'm glad that that's who I ended up with. After hearing you say all those numbers and stuff, you know, I'm like, oh, that's cool. But do you do you put any of that in, or do you strictly just say? 
these numbers are just showing me. I mean, plus he's got four years of numbers, right? And mm-hmm. he's playing against good competition. Exactly. Do you, does any of that weigh into it? Yeah, that's definitely something you you have to think about. Kind of the the, the division that they're in and the the competition they're going to play against. But you know, I think about you know defenses turn around so quickly in the NFL. Like got defenses that are good one year. I mean, we think about kind of the top defenses just even like three years ago. They they it might not be as good this you know three years later because things change, free agents leave, things like that. And so, sure, right now it just seems like the tougher division. But yeah, it's. That's where I, when you weigh in um, situation, I def, that's where I think Najee has the, the edge because of um, kind of where, where he's playing, the team he's playing for older quarterbacks. So there's that, you know, you do have Trevor Lawrence, who is the younger one. But when you're thinking about, you know, even just from a fantasy perspective, I talk about dynasty, Travis Etienne, I think might have the higher dynasty ceiling. But when we're talking about 2021, it's got to be Najee because of the touches that will be given to him. It doesn't have as much competition. And then just like currently what we know about the teams that, that, that they'll be against and in the situation he's in, I think Najee's the, the has the more favorable situation in my opinion. So it, it factors it in. And then that's, that's why those two are kind of neck and neck and everyone has them. Well, not everyone, but I think they are and for the most part, kind of the one A and one B in, in this class for me. So. Yeah. I mean, I, I think of that you play some of that stuff into it, but I, I always find it like the strength of schedule thing, right? When yeah, you start putting yeah. out the strength of schedule, I'm like, how do you know that's the strength of schedule? I mean, so many people <laughs> have moved pieces, right? And I mean, yeah. I get it. Like a lot of it's going to stay the same, right? Like you can say the pack, the Packers are going to be towards the top. You can, you can do some of those mm-hmm. things, but when you start talking about this, like you just mentioned there, a team could be the Ravens defense this year. They lost both their edge guys mm-hmm. to free agency. Like you don't know what they're going to look like. They're typically a good defense and mm-hmm. they'll probably not regress terribly, mm-hmm. but they might be completely different this year. Right. So you right. don't know. So very cool. Out of those two guys, that's who we're going with. So the next thing I asked you about um, was because this was just like for all of my team that I have, I actually have Jordan love is, is like one of my guys that I have. And then I was like, I don't know who else to take in this draft. So the guy that you're going to talk about is actually the guy that I took, which is actually pretty funny. Um, but <laughs> So I asked you out of like the rookie quarterback, like kind of guys that who would you grab, you know, that's like a later round person that's not going to be, you know, the Lawrence or the guys that are going to get grabbed right at the beginning. If you got to get this late round kind of guy that you're throwing a, throwing a waiver at really, mm-hmm. who's the guy? Yeah, so it's got to be, you know, outside of the top five because they're really – top five guys in, in this class it's it's got to be Cal Trask who was the the sixth running back taken right and he was um, drafted at at the end of the second round um, so he doesn't have that first round draft capital but um, I, I think he you know the the way Bruce Arians and that team has talked about him and how much they rave about him I definitely think there's an opportunity there for him uh, depending on how long Tom Brady plays and I think that's the thing is like we don't know how long he's going to play. You could play for a while, but they I think they drafted Kyle Trask with the mindset that he could be the successor to Brady in in Tampa Bay and you know had a solid 2020 season, 43 touchdowns, eight interceptions, 4000 plus yards. And you think about kind of what he has to look forward to, he could have Mike Evans, Chris Godwin and and you know we forget about we remember uh, Gronkowski, right? But we there's OJ Howard there too, who is one of the better prospects coming into the league. So 
he has like if he were to be the quarterback even this year he's got a, a solid team around him with a good defense there as well and so um it's it's a great situation that's why i think he's kind of a sneaky guy you can grab like you said in the later rounds or um in in some and depending on the league format he might be on the waiver wire so you know grab him and and if you have tom brady he's kind of like the backup to him at right now and um he has some decent upside if if he gets the opportunity yeah, man, I felt like for me, just looking at it without really diving too deep into it, just as like he's going to be on a rookie deal. So they can afford to keep him around for two, three years, whatever, just sitting there behind Brady. And if I've got to pick a quarterback that's going to be learning from somebody as much as I dislike Tom Brady, he's a phenomenal quarterback. And so I feel like if there's any kid and then they put a second round pick into him, which tells me they believe that he's good enough to be up there. And they had concerns enough that other teams might take him if they didn't go into the second round and take him. Right. So mm-hmm. I do, I do agree with you that he is, I'm looking at probably the successor, right? I mean, it may be four years when his, his rookie deals up, mm-hmm. you know, but who knows? I mean, Tom Brady is going to be the link, but like you mentioned, he, he's got a good team around him. He's in a prime situation to just learn and watch a team be successful, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not anticipating that Tampa Bay is going to come out and be terrible. Are they going to be as good as they were last year? Maybe not, but they're not going to be terrible by any means. They're going to be a team that's going to be successful. They're going to win. He's going to get to be part of a winning organization. It's going to become the way that he understands the game. Mm-hmm. We win. We don't lose. We just, we win. That's what we do. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, so I, it's funny because my draft was well before this. And it's, it's funny that I asked you all these things afterwards and you sent these names back and I was like, all right, that's cool. That's cool. Okay. Okay. So I'm, I'm feeling a little bit better about it, but is there, is there anybody else that you're even kind of like, yeah, maybe, you know, there's, I mean, you could, the thing is with quarterbacks, it's like once you're drafted outside of the first two rounds, it's kind of like a, the, the, the chances of, of you, you know, producing is, is, fairly slim. Now you do have those outliers like a Dak Prescott, right? And you do have, uh, well, Tom Brady, right? I mean, ultimate outlier right there, but, um, usually you want to look at guys drafting the first round because they, you know, it's somewhat also the team's kind of placing a value on the quarterbacks highly, whether they should be drafted there or not, they get drafted in the first round. So when you're not drafted there, it's tough. And so Kyle Trask, um, someone, he's kind of an exception because of the reason why they drafted him and, and second round isn't that far off. But, you know, another guy I think of is like, you know, we talked about Deshaun Watson potentially. So there's Davis Mills, who is a rookie for the Texans, who they drafted in the third round, um, early in the third round, if I remember correctly. And so he's, he could be someone who they could, they'd have to rely on this year. Now, you know, we talk about opportunity all the time as being the, the reason why for fantasy, for example, or even just in, in general real life football, right? That's, that's what you need to succeed. And so he's someone who could have the opportunity this year, depending on what happens with Deshaun Watson. So, uh, and his, you know, his draft capital, uh, on fantasy leagues is not very high right now. So you can grab him pretty cheap and he's got, um, potential for the opportunity even as soon as the season. Yeah. I mean, that's the, I, that's, that's the other name I was thinking of too, is because it's, he's in the situation where he's probably going to play. Like he, mm-hmm. he might be the guy, right. And mm-hmm. worst case scenario, I mean, he's going to struggle, right. I mean, it's not going to, he's not on a good football team, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, you know, so he's going to struggle, but I mean, if you got worst case scenario, he's at least going to learn how to play in this league. And if he happened to come out and play good, yeah, maybe they're just like, forget Deshaun Watson right now and all the trouble that's coming that way. Right. We'll just roll with this kid. So very cool. So up next, we're going to move over to the hot topic. And I think uh, the Bills Mafia is 
you know, gets pretty worked up about this one a lot. Um, <laughs> the running backs in Buffalo. It, I asked you if there was one of them that you really had to kind of choose that you were going to put, you know, attach yourself to, who would it be? Yeah, this was uh this was a tough question and um, probably why you asked it, right? <laughs> and it's, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Um, you know, Josh Allen kind of takes up a good chunk of that rushing work. So when you look at, um, you know, Zach Moss and Devin Singletary, I, to me, I, I don't feel the greatest about either one of them, but I do think Zach Moss is the guy to, to grab there. And the reason why I would do that is because just looking at some of his, you know, metrics, even last season, he was one of the more efficient running backs um, with limited opportunity. Right. And so he was the RB seven in yards created per touch and essentially yards that gained beyond what the line has blocked for him. So that's really good to see that he's efficient at creating. And part of that is because he was also the RB seven in evaded tackles per touch. So he finds ways to, to, to break into open opportunity and whether, um, you know, that th- that alone is, is valuable too, right? Cause if you can't, if you're just relying on the offensive line, you know, that, that might not get you very far in, in certain situations. So it's good to see that wasn't really a big play guy. Singletary was the receiving guy, had the higher receiving work, but still he, Zach Moss was, was from, when you look at the numbers, the red zone guy had the highest opportunity market share in the red zone at 33.3%, 31 total opportunities inside the 20, three more than Singletary on three less games. So you can kind of see the role there. And so when I'm thinking about fantasy and I'm thinking about upside, I, um, I, I lean towards Zach Moss because of what his role could be in the high value area of the field. And then that's in the red zone. So, um, you know, the, it, it's, it's really tough because they kind of cap each other's upside. And I just think about what this could mean for fantasy if they just committed to one of them. Right. But that's kind of like, it's almost like a blessing and a curse that you, you have two decent running backs that you can uh, put out there. And for the team, it's, you know, that, that, that's good to have, but for fantasy, it's not, not ideal. So, um, to me, I think it's, it's Zach Moss, but you know, it, man, it, it, it's tough. I, I remember having both of them on the team on one of my, uh, fantasy teams last year and I couldn't decide who to start at times and it was, it was really rough, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, for, for me, it's it, like, if you could take them and just combine them, they would be great. Oh my because gosh. Yeah. The only <laughs> thing that Zach Moss is truly missing is like the catching aspect of it, mm-hmm. because I, I agree he, to me, even the numbers are showing that, that the game plan for her was for him to be the guy. I mean, mm-hmm. he, he's built a little bigger he's built a little bit he falls forward with most of all of his runs you know he's that type of guy where he's picking up like you mentioned if the offensive line doesn't go anywhere at least his ability might get you one or two yards mm-hmm. or Devin Singletary's is probably going to bring you back some but Singletary's been putting in work this offseason but to me if either one of these guys had to just cement the role Zach Moss would only have to learn how to catch the ball a little bit better mm-hmm. he's better at blocking and he's better at running Singletary would have to learn how to block better and how to, you know, run better in between the tackles and finish runs, you know, and I I think Mm -hmm. that's harder to do than Zach just learning how to catch the ball Mm -hmm. a little better out of the backfield because he still wouldn't be asked to do it a lot, but I do agree. And now we've added Matt Breida into the mix too. Yeah. Right. So that, (laughs) right. To me, he, he was kind of what we were missing was some like speed. I felt like last year, that's what we were truly missing was a a back that could produce some speed. Right. So uh, it's going to be really interesting now because now it could be a three headed monster or Mm -hmm. maybe they just still just have Josh Allen run the ball every single time. Right. I mean, like, it's it's a weird concept and i feel like it's hard for guys it's interesting that he was still good at being elusive and things like that because 
I feel like as a running back, you need to get work, right? You need mm-hmm. to get flowing. You need to get going. You, mm-hmm. These guys don't get that. Right. They, they get here. You're going to run this play and you might run eight plays later, but we're not sure because that might be a different series. And then the other guy is going to be in. So you might actually run in like 20 plays from now. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like it's it's hard to get going, I would imagine. But I, I like Zach Moss when they drafted him as much as I did like Devin Singletary. I liked that he played in a little cold. I liked that he was built a little more downhill. I like that he was the red like you mentioned, he can be the red zone guy. He's he's a little more beef, right? I, I feel like you gotta have that kind of back. If he could get a little more elusive and catch the ball, I he, I think he could be really good back. But mm-hmm. That's a lot to ask of a guy that hasn't really done it, right? He wasn't really ever asked to do it either. Mm-hmm. But so, any other real fantasy spot on the Bills that you that you're like real keen on? Yeah, you know, you know, Josh Allen obviously is just going to be good again. Just just the the rushing flow that he brings, he's going to be a, a top twelve quarterback, top five quarterback, top three even. I wouldn't be surprised at all if he finished there. And so, um, you know, it's. Uh, He's he's that guy, and then where it gets more, a little more interesting is like the the receivers. And one guy I'm actually interested in, in seeing if he if he can break through is is uh, Dawson Knox at the tight end position. You know, I I I know there are some obviously Stephon Diggs is is outstanding. Um, he's the he's the uh, number one option there, but then kind of behind that you have Gabriel Davis, um, and, and then um, Emmanuel Sanders right was added to the team, and then. And then I, I do wonder, like, can Dawson Knox with his athleticism, which matters at the tight end position, can he kind of break through? And he did kind of like towards the end of the year last uh, last season, he he saw consistent targets. It wasn't necessarily amounting to as much fantasy production, but and 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 yards and all of that, but still opportunity matters. And and so I do wonder if um, if you know tight ends take a while to. To really develop. We we always say that, and and now it's his third year, if I remember correctly. So. Um, I like his athletic profile a lot. And, and, um, you know, when you look at some of the top, uh, tight ends in the league and look at their athletic scores, like it's just through the roof and, and Dawson Knox kind of checks that box and he's kind of proven that he can, you know, he can be a solid contributor too. So you just kind of need that next step where he's involved in the red zone and all that stuff too. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's obviously in a tough position with having Stefan Diggs on the field with yeah, him. Right. Yeah. I mean, and, and now you've added Emmanuel Sanders as well. I mean, mm-hmm. but to me that also, means that he should be wide open, right? Right. Like there there yeah. should be a huge opportunity for him now to be wide open, like and mm-hmm. to be successful. His only knock really for me has always been that he just, he drops the easy one mm-hmm. and he makes the incredible catch, right? right? I mean, and but he could be the guy. And I think the other reason that it, he's highlighted is because the tight end position of fantasy is so suspect that we're all just like craving for somebody to be good at it. Yep. And it would be and it would be nice if somebody new did it, right? So it wasn't only like three people that you could select from. And then after that it was like a crapshoot. <laughs> yeah. But he, I do agree he's he's got the build to be able to be the guy that could fit in this offense and be like the final little dagger that they need. Mm-hmm. You know, where you also you've got Cole Beasley digging underneath and then you send knocks over top on like a seam. And then you've got Diggs and Emmanuel doing things on the outside. I mean he, he's going to have huge opportunities against safeties deep down the middle of the field. If he can be the guy, I mean, Josh Allen's got the arm to do it and he trusts him still. I mean, he's, he's had a lot of drops and he's in big moments and stuff, but he still goes to him when he's the guy. So Hmm. the tight end's exciting. I mean, it'll be awesome. I actually drafted in one of them. um, The kid that went to Pittsburgh, the Pat from, I think, is it for Is that how he pronounces it? Pat Farmuth. Yeah. Yeah. Farmuth. Yeah. 
I drafted him in in uh, the one dynasty league that I'm in too because I I think he's going to an ideal situation too mm-hmm. realistically mm-hmm. and he didn't play last season so nobody thinks he's any good but if you go look at his tape from the year before the dude makes all the catches oh yeah I mean he he's he's very good and and he's going to a tight uh what used to be like a tight end heavy often like Ben Roethlisberger used to love his tight end. Right. I mean, you used to hear Heath like mm-hmm. every friggin' other play, right. That's yep. like all it was. So it'll be interesting to see if he can develop into a good player too. Mm-hmm. But you're uh, real quick. I saw, I want to get your opinion on Pitts mm-hmm. in, in that move of going that high for a tight end and all. I mean, now we're seeing some of it unfolding where Julio Jones might not be there. Mm-hmm. And now his upside is considerably better, yep. right? Because now he's only sharing targets with Ridley. Um, but what do you, what do you think about this whole, he's the next generational tight end and he's going to be the guy. Yeah. So, you know, as I was kind of going through this class and what I like to do um, when I evaluate some of these rookies is like, try to look at their production profile, you know, try to watch a little bit of film, not the best, you know, the, 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 the film expert, there's so much, so many others better than me at film. But when I look at, try to combine some of that, some of the opinions from others, and then look at their production profile, Pitts is really in line with, with some of the best we've seen over the last, you know, several years, the last decade or so. And, and he um, is the perfect combination of production which he did at Florida was very productive as a receiver, just not even just as a touchdown guy. He was all around great uh, combination of speed and, and, and uh, physicality and can line up all over the field and has the tested well as a, as an athlete as well in his pro day. And, and, you know, I mentioned already like athleticism matters for the tight end position a lot more than the wide receiver position um, and, and running back even. So it, it really, the fact that he tested so well as an athlete and was in like the 99th percentile on some of those scores, plus he was super productive in college, that really makes him one of the better prospects we've seen. Now, that's saying that he's one of the best prospects. It's hard to really predict, of of course, if he's going to be Gronk level next at at the next level, because so much can, can affect that. But at face value right now, he sure looks like he could be and could be in line with like the Rob Gronkowski's, the, the Jimmy Graham's, those guys like have that, that kind of a career. Um, and so, you know, of, of course, drafting him that high, it's that, I mean, on the plus side, that's draft capital for him. So that means they're going to use him pretty heavily. But, you know, it, I do wonder, like, could you have gone offensive line there? Could you have invested in a quarterback considering where Matt Ryan is? But, you know, if you're... It, and now that I think about it, you know, they're trying to or any tr- kind of defense. Yeah. Any, Cause they can kind use of defensive that player. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, now they're trying to trade away Julio. So I'm like, well then are you really going for it? Are you like, well, I yeah. thought you were going to try to go for it and have like three awesome receivers and, and um, you know, you'll figure out, figure out the running back position or whatever, but it's like, well, I thought that was, that's what they were going to do. And now they're going to trade Julio. So it's like, well, what, what's going to happen here? But, on the plus side, that means Pitts is going to be lining up all over the field without Julio, and he'll still have Ridley to, you know, keep defenses um, honest and and having to to guard Ridley as well. But it's it'll be it'll be interesting with that, and and I do think he has the opportunity now, and, and he's got the the production profile and, and the film to back it up. Yeah, Atlanta to me is one of those teams that. They, they've been so successful as of late that they're being allowed to be terrible right now. They're just making the dumbest decisions <laughs> on the planet right now. Like, it's like, yeah. wait, so you went up and you got them. Okay. Like, why? Mm-hmm. And then now it's like, okay, so now you're getting them. You're, we're going to get rid of the one of the best wide receivers in the league mm-hmm. to, 
bring him in. Like it, it just all feels weird to me, but I did, I did see a thing today that said uh, his numbers wise, like size and hands and arms and like all that kind of stuff. He's Calvin Johnson. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's basically Calvin Johnson. Calvin Johnson ran like a quicker 40. Pitts has like bigger hands. But besides that, he's basically like the same build as Calvin Johnson. So he, he's got that ability, right? But Mm -hmm. the tight end position in this league is so weird that you, you might not be able to find the right way to use him or that he might just look like he's not any good, right? Mm-hmm. It, it happens sometimes where you get put in a situation where you just like you're all world, and then where they put you just isn't the right place for you. Uh, the offensive line's no good. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I don't think he's that great of a blocker. I think he's probably got some room to go in that department, but he, you shouldn't be asking him to block all that much. I mean, you if you're going to spend your, what your sixth pick on him, yeah, the first round. I'm not sure you want him blocking all the you know, that often either, but so very cool. So we're getting up kind of closer to the the transition point where, I mean, I feel like we've been nerding out the whole time, right? Because that's, <laughs> that, that's pretty much what we, we've been talking about numbers and all that other kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Before we transition, actually, is there anything else dynasty fantasy wise that you, that you want to chat about real quick? No, I think that was uh, that was a fun conversation. I think that the uh, conversation about the running backs in Buffalo is always a hot topic in fantasy because there's, there's value there, but you just never really know. But yeah, no, this is, it's been good. I've, I've loved talking about, mix of, of football, real football, and, and some fantasy in there too. Yeah, the only thing that I think is going to potentially save either one of the backs in Buffalo this year is if they change the scheme a little bit, hmm. but they're going to have, they should have some continuity at the line, right, this year mm-hmm. because they're bringing most of the guys back. Um, it might be a different left guard or whatever, but they're actually going to be coming back with some continuity this year that typically helps too, I think. But yeah, we'll see. I just want to see like, and you know what, speaking of that real quick, before we transition, I don't care that neither of them are all world in fantasy or putting up really big numbers because we still want a lot of football games. Oh yeah. So mm-hmm. as long as we're <laughs> winning a lot of football games, I don't care if they touch the ball one time a game, as long as it works, keep doing it. Right? Just but, run it through Josh Allen. He'll, he'll right. win you like, games. There you go. <laughs> that's right. He, when he's feeling it, just get out of his way. Oh yeah. Right. So, all right. So let's move it over to the nerding out session. I like doing this part, just kind of pick your brain a little bit off, you know, it's not really off topic, but you know, just kind of, uh, you know, not necessarily chatting about fantasy or sports or whatever, but yours is going to segue back, uh, back into that stuff a little bit, just cause <laughs> that's what you're all about. <laughs> but so the first question up is, you know, your favorite sports book or things like that, something you enjoy reading or just something that really made you like love the game, you know, whatever. Yeah, no. And so this one's actually, uh, so I might mention an article here and it's a, it's a recent article that, that was written by, um, the fantasy footballers content manager, Kyle Borgnioni, who, um, hopefully I said his last name correctly there, but, uh, the article is, is the, is fantasy football and the evolution of language. And it's not necessarily centered around like numbers or statistics or anything like that, but what it focuses on and, and what I appreciate about it is how fantasy football is, a, is essentially a language, right? And it's, it's something that, um, we kind of have our terms that we talk about in fantasy football that, that we throw around and, and with like any language, it should evolve. And, and so, um, it, it's, it's an article that's changed the way I write, the way I think about when I try to put, um, some of my thoughts into, uh, to words, into an article. And, and, um, you know, I think about fantasy football and like when you, if you're, on Twitter, for example, it's kind of like a community there, right? It has its own culture in a sense, and and culture is linked to language, and and so when we interact with others in our leagues and, and terms we use to describe these real life NFL players that that were like obsessing about in a fake football game, right? Fantasy football. Right. Um, we should, and, and this is 
quoting Kyle here, and he said, Word, we should use words to build bridges, give grace, and promote diversity. And, and it's just a great way of looking at fantasy football just as almost like a, a way to bond together because it is a culture, but that we use words that are respectful in that sense too. So it's it's not necessarily about strategy or anything like that, but that's why I loved it so much is because it's a different aspect of, of the, the world of fantasy football. And um, also one FSWA article of the year. So it's, it's um, one that I've enjoyed reading and, and definitely still think about when I'm trying to write an article. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's very cool. And it makes a ton of sense, right? I mean, like, especially if you think about the fantasy football community when it like first started or whatever, it was all just like a picture and then your team's got a name, right? <laughs> so you don't even know like the person behind it necessarily, right? Yeah. So it doesn't matter who they are, man, woman, you know, whatever they are, what color they are, none of that stuff matters, right? We were all huddled around a game trying to learn something new and fun to chat about. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I'm going to, I'm definitely read it. Uh, it's going to be in the show notes for everybody to check out and everything like that. Uh, you know, so everybody else can enjoy it too, because it sounds like it's a really cool piece. And especially like this day and age, I think it, it really speaks to a lot more than just fantasy football, right? If mm -hmm. we, if we just kind of viewed a lot of what the world brings at us and just you know took it, it took it in a little bit friendlier of a fashion or viewed it as you know step back and think about it because that's what you do with your fantasy team every time you do something right mm -hmm. is something comes your way you make a decision you stop back and think about it you mm -hmm. know so it just we should do that with a lot of our decisions and i think you know we we probably find ourselves in a, in a good happy place right but mm -hmm. very cool in the first article that's been mentioned so uh you win that award Mar marvin oh, the first article man so, love it excellent so <laughs> Next, I think you probably touched on this a little bit earlier on as we were chatting and stuff, but then it, what really brought you to the game, Marvin, or what do you love about the game or just like what, what gets you sitting up, you know, at nine o'clock at night chatting to me, <laughs> doing a podcast, you know, what do you love about the game? You know, it's, you know, first and foremost, I love just watching the game. I think I, I, if I could spend like my whole Sunday just watching football, you know, that that's that. I just love watching it and, and not even just related to fantasy because fantasy kind of like adds that level of stress to it. Um, that mm. is just that, you know, yeah. you're looking like, is that guy going to score a touchdown or anything like that? I just, sometimes it's just good to watch and enjoy the game. But for me, you know, as much as I love watching the game, I love the numbers and statistics behind it. And, and part of that is because I, kind of have uh, as part of my day job, I'm in finance. So I look at numbers every day and that kind of like is what translates to me intuitively. And so a lot of concepts that I deal with at work actually apply to fantasy football too. So it's, it's just interesting how that can be closely linked. And I, um, you know, I know this isn't for everyone, but I do like sometimes just even looking at it, just a, a spreadsheet of stats and kind of like trying to figure out like, what is this telling me right now? Like objectively, what is it telling me and not trying to, you know, cherry pick stats or anything like that, but just, holistically what trends can we see here um from from you know a list of of running backs and their their production or whatever it might be so um you know you know it is the nerding out segment so that, that's that's part of um that's one of the things that i really enjoy about the game the guy that writes for dynasty nerds better bring the nerdiest stuff that's all i'm saying <laughs> so uh, absolutely ha happy that that's the way that you end and i mean i I'm the same way, but I, I've recently transitioned, you know, in the past few years, like for one, when I asked you earlier about like who you would get on the bills, I don't draft any of them because <laughs> I don't want to be pissed off about my fantasy team yep. and pissed off if they lose. Right. Mm -hmm. So I don't want the, I don't want both of the only thing I might take is the kicker just cause <laughs> right. But like, I'm not investing in the bills and fantasy hardly ever. Cause it'll ruin my day. Right. Yep. And I'm, I'm not trying to have that happen, but it, I love the number stuff too. I don't, I don't know that I've really started staring at the spreadsheets and stuff yet, but 
the numbers tell you everything you need to know. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's interesting. I think um, like the fantasy football guys even talk about it a little bit too, that they actually use things like the Vegas odds and things like that. I mm-hmm. mean, there's out there, there's people out there doing a lot of work. There's numbers that you can go and find and follow and, you know, things like that, that the data shows you a lot of different things. Even the article that you uh, just wrote that's up on your, uh, your Twitter account right now as the, your most recent article. I mean, it's all about just like the numbers for rookies and all that kind of stuff. Right. But it, it's over, what was it? An 11 year period uh, from like 2000 to 2018. Right. So even further, yeah, yeah. Right, you went back, you went back that far and the data shows that the success is only in the beginning. Right. Yep. So the numbers, if you really look at it, will tell you the story that you need to know. Right. I mean, there's a reason that the baseball n- number changes with the winds out. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, when the wind's <laughs> blowing this way to that way, there's a reason things happen. Right. So mm-hmm. numbers are the key to all the success, but all right. So up next, besides my podcast, you're allowed to say my name if you want. <laughs> what is your favorite podcast to listen to when you're just hanging out or whatever? Like, what's your jam? Yeah, so I'm. I might be a little biased here because I do write for them, but it is the fancy footballers, and 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 it goes way back even before I, I wrote for them. And 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 it's just that, um, you know, I didn't initially grow up watching a lot of football. It, it started with. Um, when I met my wife and it, that's, you know, that was years ago. Like when I got introduced to her family, they're, they're diehard Packer fans. So you, when you're going for like, you know, hanging out for the holidays, you're watching a Packer game most likely. So that's how yeah. I got into it. And, and then with that, you know, in college, uh, joined the fancy football league and started to like that even more by Wanda kind of get a little better. Like, how do I get an edge here to win some of these fancy football games instead of losing all the time? Right. So then I found the fancy footballers, one of the first podcasts I found entertaining and informative. And, and it's just a fun one to listen to. It's funny. And and one that I can just turn on when I'm doing dishes or, or, you know, just, you know, even during like in in between, like um, doing things at work, like I can just turn it on and listen to it. And and it's just entertaining, but then I get my information and fancy football with it too. So, um, you know, one of the first podcasts I listen to and still listen to it now um, whenever I can. So it's uh, definitely up there as one of my favorites. Yeah, that should tell anybody that pays attention to fantasy football that the people that are actually good at fantasy football are listening to fantasy football because there's other people that are good at fantasy football (laughs) and you can actually pick up like different little ways to view things. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and it can actually help you out a ton. I, I was talking to somebody recently about how I went like years where no matter what in redraft, I did this thing where nine and 10th rounds, I put, took back to back quarterbacks mm-hmm. for the longest time. Right. And I tried to take two really good quarterbacks, mm-hmm. but then it just put me in the predicament every week where I was choosing the wrong one. Right. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was, it was terrible. So it's fun to learn different strategies and find out other ways that are doing things. I just learned a bunch in this best ball thing that I'm in where I basically think I'm going to be the worst team possible. Like they might, I might get the lowest score ever, like just cause I was like, I don't know what's taking place right now, but very cool. So kind of in, uh, in closing here, the last one, I always like this one. Cause some people like to say a player, some people like think of a flag. Some people think of, you know, a play and specifically, but what is, when Marvin's sitting there and he just thinks back to like this play that just eats you up inside or this flag that was thrown or whatever, just something that it still sticks with you. You're just like, you know what? I, I just can't let that go. Yeah. And it, I mean, it, it still sticks with me because it's, it's so recent, <laughs> but it's, uh, yeah, as a Packer fan, I had to pick um, that play to the, to kick a field goal with, um, you know, t- just a little over two minutes left in the game against the Bucks in the NFC championship they kicked the field goal. Um, and, and, uh, it was one of those situations where I was like, well, 
why did we do that at first? And, and you know, you, you look back at it and, and I, I think there was some logic behind it, but obviously the odds were like you, you give it to your best player, right? And that's Aaron Rodgers. Give him a chance to throw the touchdown and, and, um, and get that, that two point uh, conversion and you're tied. Right. But then I think about it, it's like, well, then you're tied at best. And then you still have to keep Tom Brady from scoring, which at, you know, in that game was, he was just on fire. Right. And our second cornerback, Kevin King was getting burned left and right. So it's, it's one of those things where I kind of understand where they came from kicking the field goal. They almost stopped Brady uh, three and out, and then they could have had the ball back to win the game um, and win it potentially 32 to 31 chances are very low for that to happen. So, you know, it's one of those where it's like you can run all these situations in your head, like what would have happened? Fact is they kicked the field goal. They didn't get the ball back because of a flag that um, was, was in my opinion, justified because, I mean, Kevin King was literally, you know, just holding on up onto a player's jersey there. You can't really deny that. And yeah. so flag was called you know, the end of the game. And, and it's just a heartbreaking way to lose when you got that close. And they were down quite a bit in that game, if I remember correctly, and kind of climbed their way back. And it just, uh, it's it's rough when it's just like one play. It's almost, I one, sometimes wonder if it's easier to just beat down for most of the game because then you know, well, it's, we're going to lose. But when you're so close, you have a chance and it just doesn't work out. It's it's rough. Yeah, you'd almost want to just get blown out sometimes <laughs> instead of losing by one point at the end of the game, right? Because right. It, it just takes you all the way to the end of it. But the field goal thing is, it's the same with the Bills, right? I mean, the Bills tried kicking the field goals against Kansas City when mm-hmm. everybody was clamoring to just go for the yard, mm-hmm. right? Just go for the go for one more. This is Kansas City. you got to score touchdowns, right? right? Right. And they didn't do it. And then they missed field goals and, you know, things happen. So I, I 100% can feel your pain in that department for sure. So we're coming up, uh, getting close on our hour here, Marvin. Um before we close out, anything you want to shout out? Anything you got you got coming up? I mean, we talked about your article a little bit, uh, but we'll have that in the notes and a link to that and everything for everybody. But anything else you're working on, you want to shout out? Yeah, no, I appreciate this so much. I really had fun just talking football with you here. And, and one of the things I'm working on right now is just an article series kind of highlighting um, efficiency at different positions. So it's, you know, running back efficiency and wide receiver efficiency. Um, those articles are already out on the fantasy footballers um, and kind of looking at... Um, you know, relative to a player's workload, were they efficient with it or were they not? And so I kind of run um, through different numbers there, a whole bunch of players. And so um, I have tight ends coming up next, quarterbacks coming up too. So I'm sure Josh Allen will test well in all of that. And um, and it's a, um, a series that I'm working on here for the next um, couple of weeks. So that's coming up. And as always, you know, anything I do can be found on Twitter. Um, and and so just follow me there and, and you'll, you'll most likely find most of my work. Yeah, absolutely. And just so you guys know, Marvin's really good at keeping the Bills fans happy. That's twice now that he's he said <laughs> the right things. So, uh, but besides that, uh, I didn't even get into it when we were talking about it earlier, but I, I started reading that article just so the Bills fans out there are aware. And as I got down through it, I stopped at running back immediately because it turns out the third round running backs don't actually score a lot of fantasy points, which kind of drew my <laughs> attention. It might draw your attention as Bills fans for, I don't know, a couple of reasons, both of them <laughs> in the third round. But we'll find out this season. I'm, I'm expecting some good things. But thanks again for coming on, Marvin. Uh, absolutely. Thank you for everybody listening, watching, what, you know, however you're listening to us, seeing us, all that kind of good stuff. We wouldn't have a show without you guys. We wouldn't have anything to talk about. So thank you very much. Make sure you go and check out the Open Medicine Foundation. Um, you know, all that stuff will be in the show notes. You can check them out at omf.ngo. 
Um, and obviously everything I'm working on, you guys can find over at the Buffalo nerd and uh, Marvin, all, you, all his contact stuff will be down in the show notes. I think he's mostly a Twitter guy, you know, and that's at FF underscore it's Marvin M A R V I N and E. And that would be where you'll find them, but that'll be in the notes. Thanks for listening everybody. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com.